Good morning, everybody. It is Pastor Paul here on a Wednesday morning. Let's see here, October 26. So glad that you have joined us for Romans Rewind. We are tracking with our preaching series through the book of Romans, and we are at Romans 14. Of course, Romans 14 is the section of scripture um, where Paul is talking about the adiaphora, or matters of indifference, or disputed matters, or matters of opinion. In other words, those issues that Christians might disagree with that are not a part of the core doctrine of the gospel, or orthodoxy, or the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. These are these are matters, as the definition would say, that are that are in dispute, but they're not at the heart of the gospel. And so we've been talking about some of those things this week. And one of the issues that the church in Rome was wrestling with was the, was the issue of the Sabbath and other holy days and observances that were on the traditional Jewish calendar. And did you or did you not have to observe them? Well, today and then tomorrow, and probably even Friday, we're going to look at the second issue that Paul talks about, and that's the issue of food and drink. Let me read the, the relevant section here. And um, let's move forward with it. All right, this is Romans 14, um, verse 3. Let no one who eats despises, despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. Now go down to verse 6. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and give thanks to God. Now, this abstaining from certain foods was a part of the dietary um, civil law in the Old Testament. It's what Jews abided by in their diet that set them apart from the peoples around them. And certain, and some of the Jewish Christians, when they were converted, kept observing these dietary laws. And not that they thought they were necessary for salvation, but it was just part of their personal devotion to the Lord. This also included not just food, but drink, most probably wine. And we know this, if you look down at verse 21, and this will be in the passage we look at this week, Paul makes specific mention in verse 21 of eating meat or drinking wine. And I want to talk about alcohol and wine today, and then I want to talk about food tomorrow. What are we to do? How are we to think about these things as Christians? Now, when you look at the whole scope of the New Testament and the Old Testament, it's very obvious that wine is a metaphor for life, for celebration, for, for joy. So you read through the prophets, you read through the Psalms, there's continual uh, reference to the fruit of the vine. Uh, we're, we're, we're told that that times of celebration with God's people were oftentimes celebrated with wine, with alcohol, that it was a part of God's created order given to men to enjoy, um, not just for the sake of enjoyment, but for the fact that it was a pointer to a greater and more joyous celebration that we will all have one day at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So let's think about for a second Jesus turning the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. It's no accident that this was Jesus's first miracle, right? Um, this was a time of celebration. Uh, the wine runs out. 
Jesus doesn't turn uh, the water into grape juice. He actually turns it into wine. And again, we see this picture in the book of Revelation where, where there will be wine and feasting at the supper of the Lamb. And this is all part of God's goodness and God's creation given as a gift to men to be enjoyed like any other gift. Now, we know that there can be abuses of God's gift, all right? Sex is a gift, people abuse sex. Um, money is a gift, people abuse money. And of course, um, even as alcohol is a gift, it is also open to abuse. Now, we're going to talk about some of the ways that we're to think about those restrictions, but I want us to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a minute and just to sort of get this in our minds about the inerrant goodness of God's creation, everything that God has made, including food and alcohol. Look at verse 1 of, of 1 Timothy 4. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Paul here is speaking about a particular sort of asceticism that had infiltrated the church in Ephesus. He's writing to Timothy, and it seemed that some were saying that by abstaining from certain foods and drink, alcohol, that people would be more spiritual, people would be more clear-minded, people uh, would be more holy. And Paul says that's a false teaching, okay? And again, we look to the numerous expressions in Scripture where not only is alcohol drinking condoned, it is in fact affirmed and it is celebrated as a good gift. Now, how is it that... Um, there has been a season in the life of the church over the last 100 to 200 years where alcohol um, has been seen as taboo in certain circles or as a sin. In fact, you might um, have, it's sometimes, it's oftentimes required by churches as a covenant of membership that you abstain from alcohol or if you attend a particular university or seminary or, or what have you. And it's obviously because there have been many abuses of alcohol. One thing to keep in mind is that as technology has progressed, alcohol has become stronger. Alcohol has become more plentiful. Alcohol, alcoholic drinks have become bigger and larger and more readily accessible. And because of that, um, that can leave um, alcohol prone to abuse. Let's not forget that in ancient times, typically drinking was not done in private, right? Or one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I'm sure there's some country music song about not drinking alone, but people drank together. Okay. It was part of community time, family time, celebration, weddings, banquets. That was the nature of the wine was to be conducive to the sharing of relationships. Well, as alcohol became much more readily available for individuals to purchase and not for the, for the village or the family to have to purchase from the, the wine grower, the wine press, they, you could just go buy it at the store, it became much more prone to abuse. And of course, this was the same thing that happened in Paul's time as well. What does Paul tell us in Ephesians 5? Do not be drunk with wine, 
but be filled with the Spirit. The Proverbs are full of warnings, right, about um, drunkenness, about drunkards, about um, the potential pitfalls of alcohol. And again, these are all warnings and regulations that help us to understand as Christians how we are to rightfully use the gift of God. It's not to impair our judgment. It's not to help us escape reality. It's not to drown our sorrows. It's not to get drunk. It's not for, for sort of revelry. It is for a, it's a communal drink shared for the fellowship and the building up of the body. And like any gift of God, again, it can be abused, which is why the scripture regulates it. So how should we approach it now, the, the use of alcohol? Well, if I was doing this devotional 20, 25 years ago, I might say that the church really needed a correct, and by the church, I don't mean Four Oaks necessarily, but just the church at large. There was a real corrective needed um, sort of against the legalism that can oftentimes accompany the prohibition of alcohol and that any sort of alcohol consumption is viewed as inherently wicked or evil. Um, it, 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 it almost becomes a first-tier issue for certain churches and institutions in terms of membership and participation. Um, if this was 25 years ago, I would have given that talk, right? I would have, I would have tried to bring the, the biblical balance to, to the right use of alcohol. But I don't think that's so much where the church is now. There, there might be certain fundamentalist sects where that's still the case, but by and large, that's not the culture of the church anymore. The, 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 the culture of the church is, is much more libertine, freedom in Christ, enjoying the gifts of God's creation. And because of that, um, we have seen a number of high-profile leaders um, fall deeply um, and part of their issue was alcohol. Part of it was addiction, um, substance abuse. Now, we can't say it's all alcohol's fault. People make their choices. But it does say that the, the, there's been a shift in culture in the church where it is now um, seen as, as a divine right for all believers to be able to drink when they want, how much they want, wherever they want. And for those who don't, those teetotalers can be looked down upon in disdain. And that is, in, in fact, precisely the thing Paul says not to do, right? He says, everybody needs to be convinced in your own mind. Do not hold the weaker brother in disdain. And sometimes the weaker brother may not, may not be weaker. He may be wiser, right? He knows his propensities. He knows um, his own heart and his temptations, and he wants to, to guard himself. And it seems to me that we have a much more need to have a much more sober assessment of the use of alcohol um, in our current day. And, and I say this as someone who is not a teetotaler, um, someone who in who enjoys on occasion um, alcohol. But I do think there is some real warnings that we need to heed. Okay, now, again, understanding. Alcohol is much more available, it's much stronger, it's much more plentiful than historically the world has ever known. And so we need to exercise great caution. One of those things we need to, we need to realize is that um, we are constantly behind the wheel of a vehicle, right? And 
there's gone are the times typically where you would just kind of consume alcohol and celebration at a place and everybody would walk home. Now we get behind cars and four, you know, 4,000 pound machines that can kill people. And we need to be, we need to be cognizant of that from a, from a wisdom standpoint. But we, but, but, but more importantly, I think though, is even than that, of course, are the spiritual issues, right? That we are in fact looking to the gifts of God to do something for us that only God can do himself. And that is to give us peace and joy and contentment deep in our hearts. So often it is so easy to lean into alcohol or, or other gifts of God to sort of numb ourselves to our current problems and our current realities. And anything that sort of, sort of pushes us in that direction needs to be a check on our hearts. I think Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians is, is really apropos here. When he tells us all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And here he's quoting a slogan in the church in Corinth for people who, in fact, were libertine. And they were saying, we're celebrating our freedoms. We're, we're flaunting our freedoms. And Paul's like, there is to be no flaunting, right? There is to be the enjoyment of God's gift and humility while at the same time recognizing that it's not always permiss it's not always beneficial for our own souls it may not be beneficial for people that we're around that's going to be the subject of the text this coming sunday in romans chapter 14 how do we go about practicing these things together as brothers and paul makes it very clear be willing to give up your rights be willing to humble yourself and say even though i could do this in this particular situation, because of my witness or because of a weaker brother or because of other responsibilities I have, I'm going to freely abstain, gladly abstain, because the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, right? The kingdom of God is about Jesus. So that's the word I think is very appropriate and timely for us as Christians here in the 21st century. But nonetheless, we do ultimately have to say with Paul, all right, let's go back to, to Romans 14 as we wrap this up, that one who believes he may eat while the other person eats only vegetables, uh, you know, let him have a clear conscience, right? Let, let him stand before his own God. Let him stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If it is, you know, if it is done out of faith, um, to the glory of God in moderation, according to the parameters God has set, then it is a good gift to be enjoyed. But if it can't be, it's okay to set it aside. All right, there's obviously a lot more we can say there. Again, if you have a question about any of these disputed matters, opinions, adiaphora, so to speak, email me, paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com. I want to talk about food tomorrow because now that is a particular issue that has been more and more controversial um, in our culture at large as many um, more food options have become available to us, is there such a thing as eating food God's way or a diet or a, a food diet that's appropriate or more appropriate than another in the eyes of God? That's tomorrow. Hope to see you then. Lord, we do want to use our freedom to glorify you. Uh, we don't want to indulge the flesh. Lord, we want to have an open hand. Lord, we do pray that you'd give us the wisdom to know how to properly exercise the freedoms you've given us for your glory. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.